Psalms 107:89 NIV Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things let us pray Lord heavenly father creator of all that is good is fair in the world you give us numerous gifts through your grace alone you're not a god that is distant and far but you rather seek personal relationships with us time after time again inviting us deeper into your love praise be you god praise be you lord father we pray for the members of the baptism class to have a sensitive heart to accept your son jesus christ as their lord and savior allow them to feel reborn in you and be changed in mind and body even though they still might have trials and tribulation, may they know that you'll provide everything that is needed. That in your weakness, your love is made perfect. Father God, I pray for our brothers and sisters going to India, that they are protected from the scheme of Satan and the schemes of Satan as they do your works overseas. That as a congregation, we support them through prayer and financials and may the Holy Spirit work among them to allow for unity and for true transformation in the local churches and the people of India, for the people to be accepting of your son as their savior and redeemer. We pray for the leaders of the impact group to have the strength to carry out your work without complaint and be thankful for the opportunities created for praise, fellowship, and worship. Let the members use it as a chance to grow your gifts, to edify others, and to glorify you, God. In the children's ministry, we pray for Pastor Adonis, the helpers and parents to exercise patience and love, for the children to be taught biblical truth and to come to know the character of who you are. As we go through the holiday seasons of Thanksgiving, let's be thankful. And for Christmas, I pray we recognize this as a celebration of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, that we remember the loved ones that the Lord has placed in our lives to be cherished. As Jesus Christ is the light of our lives, he calls us to reflect the same light to, the, to others, being a blessing within their lives. We pray as Pastor Yar comes up to deliver your message here today, that he may be your mouthpiece that communicates love and mercy. May the Holy Spirit guide his words and lead the congregation to receiving your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to our Uptown service. Um, yeah, hopefully the roads aren't too bad, and I'm glad that all of us arrived safely. Um, yeah, so my name is Jason, and if you're a newcomer or visitor, we would love to get to know you better. Uh, not just myself, but our entire leadership, our entire community. We'd love to welcome you. Um, yeah, so like I said, I'm Jason. I have a wife. Her name is Jeannie. I have three kids. Uh, I love sports, music. I would love to talk to you about anything, really. Um, but yeah, so after our worship service, we do have a time of fellowship. Uh, right in the hallway, we do have a bunch of snacks and refreshments. And they're really designed for us to be able to connect with one another. Um, so yeah, please don't be shy. Um, if you have been with us, we are doing this First Corinthians series. And uh, the title, oh, actually, before we get into the sermon, I do want to just remind us that we do have Q&A. So one of the things that we love here at Uptown is we really want a culture where you can ask anything you want. Nobody's going to take it personally. Nobody's going to be offended. Uh, so one of the things that we do is within the sermon, you have the opportunity to text 
questions, all of them are strictly anonymous. Um, and if there are any questions about the sermon or anything related to the sermon, then we will love to be able to dialogue with you during service. Again, all of it is anonymous. Uh, and if you have any general prayer requests, this is also an excellent opportunity to send any prayer requests, anything that is really um, burdening your heart. So like I mentioned, the, uh, we're continuing on continuing on in our sermon series. Uh, the title of this sermon is His Spirit and Body, referring to obviously Jesus' spirit and body. And I'm not actually going to read the entirety of the passage for us. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as I read it, I want you to just men- take a mental note. What are some of the key words that repeat itself over and over again. There's actually two words that is just really repeated throughout this entire passage. So please make a mental note as you kind of read along. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's kind of a lengthy chapter, I'll warn you. It begins like this. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says... Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as the Spirit wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as God chose. If if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Verse 24, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? 
Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Obviously no. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Wow, I mean, that's a loaded chapter, and hopefully you didn't get lost in all the different verbiage and phrases. Uh, there's a lot of depth here, um, so we're going to unpack it. Um, we're not going to unpack it the traditional way. Most people, when they read this passage, they look at it in terms of uh, what are my spiritual gifts and how can I be plugged into the body. Um, if those are some questions that you have, believe it or not, this is one of the same passages that our impact groups are going over. So we have a Bible study dedicated for that. So I'm not going to re repeat that here. Uh, instead, I'm going to focus on something else from this passage. But before I do so, let me pray for us one last time. And we will get right to it. Father, we want to thank you so much for your spirit and for your body. Uh, that you allow us to be so intimate with you that you would call us your very own body. That your spirit would be at work in us. Who are we that we get these privileges? We're just so thankful. So I pray that as we read this passage, uh, I pray that it would really come alive in our hearts. And that it would really fill our hearts with a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving for your just radical, surprising, just unthinkable love for us. Uh, at the same time, uh, as you say, uh, if one member of the body is suffering, then the entire body suffers. I pray for people who are suffering. Help us to be sensitive to those who are hurting, who are mourning. I pray for those who are just trying to make it to church right now. I pray that you'll give them safe travels. And I pray that through a message like this, uh, that you would really bind our hearts together, that we would not only become more intimate with you, but that we would be more loving towards one another as well. I thank you and I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. So like I mentioned, we're not going to focus on this passage the traditional way. What are my gifts? How can I be involved in church ministry X, Y, or Z? But instead, I'm really going to just talk about three simple points. Uh, and the first point is... Actually, I'll have you guys help me out with this first point. What were the two words that was just repeated over and over and over and over again? Anybody want to take a stab at this? Spirit and body. That's right. Um, I mean, there were some other words repeated, but spirit and body is, are the two words that's frequently repeated over and over and over again. And one of the amazing things about the gospel, and the first point is, if you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we've been talking about this week after week throughout the sermon series, if you truly submit to his authority, one of the benefits is that his spirit is with us, working in us, and his body that he gave up, we become a part of. Uh, that's pretty radical. I mean, here, Paul says, uh, we're just going to highlight this. Oh, um, I'll talk about that later. Uh, Paul says, uh, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. But if you submit to Jesus' lordship, if you say Jesus is Lord, then the Holy Spirit is upon you. And what Paul is essentially saying is, this is really radical. Paul is essentially saying is, I know your background. I know what your story is like. All of us. We have backgrounds where, man, we're a little embarrassed. We're a little ashamed. If you think about the way I related with my parents, the way I treated my siblings, the way I did in school, the way whatever, it's embarrassing. I lived a life like a pagan. I was led astray to mute idols. All of us, we can identify. And really, all of us, spiritually speaking, we are sinners before God. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. 
But what Paul is saying is if you submit to Jesus' lordship, if you submit to what Jesus has done for you, that although we are sinners, although we have really shady backgrounds, whatever, embarrassing stories, our Jesus, he died for you, died for me, and he wiped that slate clean. So all of our sins have been forgiven. If you submit to that, then what we see in this passage is Paul is saying over and over and over again that his very own spirit is alive in you. You are part of his very own body. And you can't get that much more intimate with somebody than being a part of this person's spirit and body. Um, you know, it's wintertime, weather is really cold outside. And if you are a parent, one of the things that drives you crazy is when your kid refuses to wear a winter jacket. I'm like, why wouldn't you wear a winter? It is snowing, it is sleeting out. They don't want to wear jackets. And I see some parents and kids, man, they are fighting tooth and nail. Wear that jacket. And the mom is screaming and the kid is crying and there's scars and it's just really traumatic. But one of the reasons why the parents cannot stand their kids going out in the cold without a jacket is what? That child is my flesh and blood. You can't get any more intimate than that. You are my flesh and blood. When I see you cold, when I see you shivering, when I see snot running out of your nose, it's all, I can feel that vicariously. And what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying is, if you submit to the Lordship of Jesus, that bond is so intimate. It's deeper than Jesus saying, you are my flesh and blood. He's saying, I have given you my very own spirit. You are actually part of my body. You can't get more intimate than that. Uh, growing up, um, yeah, like I grew up, my grandmother lived with me a lot of my days. My grandmother loved her husband. Uh, I don't think I was alive when my grandmother or my grandfather was alive. I think he passed away before I was born. But my grandmother loved, loved, loved her husband, missed him like crazy. Uh, all the time when she's cooking. She's like murmuring, talking, murmuring, talking. And I'm wondering, like, who is she talking to? She, there's no phone in her ear. When she's uh, reading the Bible, she's like talking, like murmuring. And um, I'm a little concerned for my grandmother as a, as a young child. And I asked my mom, like, why is grandmother always, like, who is she talking? And she's talking to, she thinks she's talking to her, grand, to her husband. Um, and I'm not going to go into the theology of that, so that's not the point. But my grandmother loved her husband so much. And the best way for my grandmother to compliment somebody is to say, you remind me of grandfather. You, you have grandfather's spirits. The way you look like, your face, that nose, that nose that you have, that's grandfather's nose. And that's her, that is the best way for her to express her affection and endearment to people. And whenever she would say things like, you're, you're just like grandfather, you look just like grandfather. You have the spirit of grandfather. What, is she, what she's saying is she is expressing her love and intimacy and a term of endearment. And similarly with what Paul is saying, you notice this yourselves as I read it. I don't have to explain it to you. The word spirit comes up over and over and over again. The body, the word body comes up over and over because Paul is trying to say one of the blessings of the gospel is that if you truly submit to Jesus, his spirit is living alongside you. His body is represented by you. 
Wow, that is a great privilege. When we think of the God of the universe, we'd be so intimate with human creation who were once his own enemies, who would rebelliously sin against him, and yet he would forge this intimate bond with us. So amazing. So what happens if the Spirit lives alongside of us? It sounds great. It sounds like something that you'll read in a fortune cookie or in a birthday, like in a greeting card. But what does that actually mean? And what does it actually mean that we are the body of Christ? So that's going to be the next two points that we'll uncover in this sermon is what does it mean that the Spirit is living alongside you? And secondly, what does it mean that we get to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ? So we'll tackle one at a time. Uh, We'll tackle the one about the Spirit. So Paul says... For to one who is, give, who is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And what Paul is saying is, man, he's saying all the things that you do, all the gifts that you have, Let's say you have the gift of wisdom. Let's say you have the gift of knowledge. Whatever your abilities are, all those things can be utilized through the presence of the Spirit. Jesus' presence is with you as you utilize your knowledge, wisdom. You can bless others because the Spirit is the one who is doing it through you. I know that sounds really abstract. That sounds like, okay, what does that look like, practically speaking? Because when I'm at work, and yet I'm killing it, I'm like just destroying these deadlines and I'm just in the zone, does that mean the Spirit is the one working alongside me? It's an interesting question. And maybe one of the ways I can explain this is this past week, uh, some of you guys asked me, how's your week? And man, this week was pretty brutal, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm thankful. Every week is a great week because God is faithful. But I'll be honest, it was a brutal week. I didn't get too much sleep. Um, Thursday night, was it? Man, I was just really engrossed in some of my research. Uh, I didn't sleep till 4 a.m. Like, I just had no idea. Didn't keep track of the time. And then Friday to Saturday, we had our budget retreat, New Hope Wide Budget Retreat. It's a pretty intense retreat where it's, it's a great retreat because what we're doing is we're looking at all the different ways that God has been faithful to us and how we have been utilizing our tithes and offering. And we are basically uh, explaining to the other campuses and to everybody else how we've been utilizing these funds so there's accountability. And we're also visioning uh, for 2020 and how we want to allocate these resources, financial resources, in 2020. So it's a very prayerful, intentional, strategic time. And the people there, man, their hearts are hearts of gold. They want to glorify God, all these different things. But it's tiring. Very tiring. So I came off with just three hours of sleep on Thursday nights. Friday night, I was rooming with our brother Adonis. And man, like, I love Adonis. And we were just talking. Um, and yeah, I just love having conversations with him. I have no idea what time I fell asleep. I just know I didn't get enough sleep. Um, so Saturday morning, I'm tired. We're going through the budget, a bunch of, you know, spreadsheets, numbers. Um, I didn't really have an opportunity to like prepare the sermon at the time. So I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, I'm really stressed. There's a big deadline for my academic uh, PhD program, which happened to be yesterday. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like there's so much that I need to get done. But along, on top of that, uh, my wife, one of her childhood friends, probably her best friend from Korea, they've known each other ever since I think kindergarten. 
uh, her family uh, stayed over at our place this past weekend. So we have guests over. Uh, I'm sleep deprived, a lot of things on my shoulders. I get back from the retreat and I've probably talked to them once, which was 10 years ago. Um, so it's not like we're all that close. So I was planning that Jeannie would be spending a lot of time with her friends and it would give me the opportunity to just do my own thing. Um, because again, I just talked to them once 10 years ago. But um, Thursday night when I had dinner with them, like for whatever reason, we hit it off really well. And they were just saying, um, man, like, Jason, like, we love talking to you. Like, <laughs> these are, <laughs> trust me, I'm not making this up. They're like, Jason, we love, and it sounds kind of weird. It's for a point, okay, please. This isn't me, like, boasting or anything. But, like, we love talking to you. Like, something about the way you ask questions, it really draws things out from our hearts that we didn't know were there and enables us to put words to it. And, yeah, like, it's. I, it's, it's fun talking to you, but there's depth and there's meaning, all these different things. So, um, you know, I was at the retreat and I was thinking, oh, like, does that mean, like, I have to spend time with them on Saturday because I'm going to be so tired. And then Jeannie's texting me while I'm at the retreat. You know, my friends really miss you. They really want to talk to you. And uh, they're actually not going to leave on Saturday. They're going to leave on Sunday because they want to have dinner together so that they can talk to you. And I'm just thinking... <laughs> I need to prepare for the sermon. I have a deadline. I slept maybe seven hours over the past two days. And man, I was like a walking zombie. I drive home um, and they're there. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to survive tonight? And they're not Christian. And what's really interesting is, uh, although they're best friends, um, Jeannie would gently always ask her to come out to church, but they've always been really sensitive about it. So Jeannie's always been kind of careful. So, you know, for me, I didn't want to talk about God or the gospel unless we were ready. But for whatever reason, as we were talking, and it became just me and the husband, he was just really interested in me. Like, it was really bizarre. He was asking a bunch of questions. I think part of it is he also has, like, a PhD in economics. So, he, like, you know, he kind of has that academic mind. So maybe something, like, connected. And he was asking me about my childhood and all these different things. And then he started asking me, you know, I... I heard you're a pastor. I heard you're religious. Like, what kind of impact does that have in your life? <laughs> At that point, like when somebody asks that to you, it's like t-ball. Like you can't, like that's like the evangelist's perfect dream. So I share my testimony. Um, I share the gospel with him. And it's not like I'm forcing it. He actually wants to hear. But at the same time, I'm really tired. Like literally like, I, I'm kind of zoning in and out. I don't really know what I'm saying because I'm so tired. And uh, it's around midnight. Uh, they have a young child. So I'm thinking, oh, like maybe we should get ready to go to sleep. And then he kind of is like still thinking. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, I used to believe in God. And then he shares his story. And then that opens up an entire new conversation. And so now at this point, we're sitting on the couch. Like we're pretty much like migrating from room to room. And uh, I share with him, like, all the reasons why, you know, the Gospels are reliable. The Bible is reliable. The historicity of Jesus and all these different things. And by the end of the conversation, we're approaching 1 a.m. at this point, And he's thinking pensively. And he says, you know what, like, I really enjoyed our conversations. And I'll, I'll be honest, I have to really rethink about who Jesus is. I have to really rethink about my ideas of the church, my ideas of Christianity, 
all these, all these different things. And I'll be honest, like when I think of that example, I was absolutely sleep deprived. I don't really know what I actually said, to be honest. But one thing I see is, man, the spirit was working. Spirit was moving. Spirit was the one giving me words. Spirit was the one opening up his heart. I have no idea why he was so interested, why he was so hungry. It wasn't because I was making an effort. If anything, I'll be honest, I was probably making an effort to kind of do my own thing. But his spirit was orchestrating all these different things. And one of the blessings, like I mentioned, is if you submit to the Lordship of Jesus, one of the blessings that we receive is the spirit lives alongside you. And I'll be honest, this one story, it may seem kind of unique, may seem kind of uncommon, but I think many of us, we kind of experience, maybe in a smaller scale, the ways that the spirit works in your life. It's, it's incredible how the spirit gives you the words to, sit, to speak. How the spirit in the middle of that fight that you're about to have with your roommate, with your spouse, whatever, with your parents, the spirit tells you, but your tongue. The spirit gives you the patience that you need. Sometimes the spirit is the one who is working in your counterpart. And these things, these blessings, it's not by accident. It's because Jesus' spirit, his presence is literally with you. It's an incredible blessing. Uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about, really, the last point is, yes, it's amazing. Jesus gives us his spirit. He's so intimate. He's so loving. The next thing is God, Jesus, says that you are my body. He points to us. He doesn't point to the angels. He doesn't point to the other parts of creation that is much more impressive than us. But he says, no, you, me, us, we get to be the body of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look into this. So Paul says, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And one of the benefits of being part of the body of Jesus is, one, it conveys intimacy. Like, man, the fact that Jesus would say, you are part of my body, it means Jesus loves you so, like his own flesh and blood, like the parent example. But another, another blessing of this is that when we are part of the body of Jesus, all of us, we are needed and we are honored. In, whatever, in, in your church community, if it truly functions according to this passage, not only do they need you, but they honor you. And, you know, I don't know what it's been like for all of us growing up, but me growing up in the States, you know, everybody was, um, there, there were no other minorities. I always tried to fit in. Um, I was the only, not only the only Asian, but really the only minority in just identity crisis. And if you know anything about my family background, broken family, so all these different things. And for me, for the longest time, I always felt like an outsider growing up. I don't know if some of you guys can relate. Um, and even maybe nowadays, like if you can think about what is that one dream job that you wish you can get into? Or what is that one group that you wish you were a part of? All of us, we kind of probably have something like this. When I was in software development, Google was the dream job. And I would have loved to be, if I could get into Google, I would have been, it didn't matter what position it was. I could care less what my time. I could be the most junior, the lowest on the totem pole. I would have been so thankful just because I get to be a part of Google. Or for some of us who are students and you are really trying to get into the academic program in the States, it's Harvard University. 
And if you can get into Harvard University, man, you are just absolutely so thrilled. You could be on the waiting list. You could be the last person admitted. But by virtue of the fact that you are part of Harvard University, even though they accidentally admitted you and got you confused with somebody else, you're just so thankful that you get to be a part of that group. Well, similarly with the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what part of the body you are. You could be the toenail, you could be the hand, it doesn't matter. If you are part of Jesus' body, man, all of us, we should be absolutely floored. If you get accepted to this university or that job, you are just, just thankful to be a part of it. And that is what Paul is saying. That's why Paul says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If a foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Paul is saying, That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for one of your body parts to have this type of logic. Because when you are part of the body of Christ, man, it is just celebration all over the place, regardless of what part of the body you are. So he continues, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That's why we need all the different parts. That's why we need the, the toenail. I mean, just think about your own body. Imagine if today you lose your toenail. You'd be in a lot of pain. And yeah, toenail is something that you probably take for granted. It's not an honored part. But this metaphor is so, such an accurate one. Because every member Jesus honors and values. But at the same time, it is a little different with Jesus' body. It's not quite like Google. It's not quite like Harvard University. Because at Google or at any other company, like I mentioned, there's a clear hierarchy. And yeah, you might be thankful to be junior. You might be thankful to be whatever. But clearly, everybody praises who? The executive team. They all praise the CEO, whatever. They all praise their superior, their managers, whatever. But in the body of Christ, things are a little backwards. I don't know if you've noticed this when we read, read this, but it's, everything is upside down. Um, we'll take a look at this. Because it says in verse 18, as it is, in God's design, in his wisdom, he arranges it so that the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. All of us, I don't know what part of the body you are, but he specifically chose you to be the hand, whatever. But it gets better than this. On the, we'll skip this. Um, well, yeah, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, the, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In Christ's body, everybody needs each other. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, like the toenail, they are actually indispensable. Those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we actively bestow greater honor. We make an intentional effort to notice the toenail and say, toenail, you are supremely important in this body. Because God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. The difference between the body of Christ and your company, your university, your program, whatever social club you are, is in the body of Christ, you intentionally look after those who are not getting the respect. Those who feel marginalized. Those who feel like 
They don't really play a prominent role. And the body of Christ says, no, 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 no. You are supremely important. We are going to bestow greater honor on you. It's really upside down. It's really radical. It's completely backwards. Uh, that's why, you know, one of the things that we want to do here at Uptown, it's so counterintuitive. It's so against the way society runs. But here at Uptown, one of the things that we try to do is we do this thing called each part uh, or exhortation time where we give people an opportunity. If the spirit is working in you, then we give you an opportunity to just share. How is God working in your heart? We had that just a few weeks ago from our brother Raven. Over the spring, we had like two months, like eight consecutive weeks where people were just sharing. And one of the ideas behind that is we want to give as many people an opportunity to share with one another how God is. It shouldn't just be me. It shouldn't just be the preacher. I know we haven't had one for a while other than our brother Raven. Actually, Susan, weren't you going to share something? Susan, why don't you come on up? And, no, okay, okay. Not to put you on the spot. But yeah, like, yeah, like God is clearly at work in other people's hearts. And we want to hear that. Whether it's you speaking in front of people or maybe you want to write up an email and I can read it on your behalf. Or maybe you want to just record an audio or video, whatever it is. But we want to bestow greater honor on all parts of the body. Uh, one of the really amazing examples I see um, is uh, in children's ministry. And, um, you know, so I've been in church ministry for a long time. I've done literally everything. Band, administration, welcoming, preaching, um, small group leadership, discipleship, mentorship, evangelism. Like, I've done literally anything that you can think of within the church life, I've done it all. And I'll be honest, there is one ministry that stands above all the rest as, wow, it is painful. And that is children's ministry. Wow, man, I remember uh, the first summer when I was interning at my home church, I asked my pastoral staff, so what is the greatest pain point? What is the thing that is causing you guys the biggest head headache? Assign me to that and I'll do whatever it takes to try to help you with that. And all of them, without hesitation, children's ministry. And man, like at the time, at my home church, like you, we think we're, we're blooming here. At my home church, there were probably 40 kids and all of them were between the ages of zero and five. And we had one part-time children's ministry director, and that's it. 40 kids. Man, that is mayhem. Probably kind of borderline illegal, but we won't get into that. So that was my thing. So I, so I talked to the children's ministry director. I observed every week, week in and week out. And yeah, I could tell this is, this is not easy. And that summer, uh, I would serve in children's ministry every week. And literally after every Sunday, I would have migraines. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I would have to just like curl up like a little ball on top of my bed, turn off all the lights because I just had this painful migraine headache. So those of you who are part of children's ministry, so much respect for you. And um, yeah, here at Uptown, God, we're so thankful for the blessings that God has given us. And yes, we are a little shorthanded here and there. But one of the things I see with our parents is when they see things are shorthanded, what do they do? At my home church, honestly, a lot of parents just left. 
here of town, I'm just so thankful. And I want to bestow greater honor upon you because not everybody notices. You guys not only say, I'm going to stay, but you guys say, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I mean, we have parents. They work full-time jobs. They have young kids, little critters at home. And man, they are typing up the policies of our children's ministry. I see somebody, not to name any names, who's expecting a child. And yeah, like she, she's working throughout the week, preparing arts and crafts. I see these volunteers, these parents coming in early and they are looking over the material late Saturday nights. They're trying to figure out ways, how can we make this lesson connect with the kids? They're sacrificing their time and it's tiring. No joke about it. And when I see something like that is, yeah, like unfortunately here at Uptown or just most social organizations, you don't really get to highlight the behind the scenes. But one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to bestow greater honor upon that. And I know that's just one example out of many. There's probably many other examples. And if you can think of examples of people really serving here at Uptown and they're not really getting the greater honor that Paul is telling us to do, let me know, let the leadership know and we will try to address that because we want to ensure that all of us, not only do we recognize, are we a part of God's, Jesus' body, but you are needed and we want to honor you, just like this passage says. Um, so Paul concludes, uh, you are the body of Christ. Individually, we are members of it. And basically, Paul is saying, church, all of us, we're members of Christ. I kind of want to go back to this one chart that I had earlier. Um, like I mentioned um, before, uh, I think I showed this maybe a couple weeks ago. Like I mentioned before, we are going through spiritual gifts in our impact group uh, Bible studies. And one of the things that we did was we had all, or everybody's going through a spiritual gift survey. I know that's not the best way to understand what your gifts are, but it's a good starting point. So with our discipleship team, which are the people who lead the impact groups and the ministry teams, uh, we had them go through the survey back in September. These are the results. And what we want to do is we want to expand this chart so that all the members, all the impact group members, the ones who are doing the surveys, the ones who are learning about spiritual gifts, we want to see your results. We can keep it anonymous, don't worry. And we want to compile an uptown-wide chart of how has God gifted us. What are some of the members? What are some of the abilities that God has given us? And this will be one way for us to discern how can God use our church to not only bless the people within here, but also to bless our greater community. And already we see, like, we have a lot of people who are gifted in administration, faith, and mercy. And that's a great combination. Administration means you get stuff done. If somebody gives you a problem, if somebody gives you a plan, you're able to execute that. That is a great gift. We should leverage that. If you have the gift of faith, then that means you know there are no limits to what the Spirit can do. Just like I mentioned earlier, because we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, Spirit is living inside us. Spirit can do amazing things. Even though we are few in numbers, even though our resources may be meager, we know that ultimately our faith does not lie in us. Our faith lies in God. And that enables us to take risks. That enables us to think outside the box. We want Uptown to look like not just a traditional church, nothing wrong with traditional churches, but we want to do something brand new. 
As Pastor Jason know, the senior pastor at LPC, he is exhorting all of us when we think about 2020 into the next 10 years. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in January. He wants us to dream big dreams. He wants us to think outside the box. And for us to have a heart of faith, man, I'm just so excited to think about what are some of the ideas that our community can come up with. The heart of mercy. Like we prayed earlier, there are a lot of people who are brokenhearted, whether within the church whether it's outside the church. And for people who have heart of mercy, and you're able to empathize with people and be able to show that you truly love and care and have compassion for other people, man, that is a tremendous blessing. And I, our leadership, I personally, I am so excited to hear how God has gifted all of Uptown and to see, man, maybe there's another gift or maybe whatever, like I'm really excited to see how God can use our church as being part of Jesus' body. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to wrap up. Um, so if we can have the band come forward, and if we can actually all rise as well, I kind of want to give us an opportunity to pray and to respond to some of the things that we just heard here. And like I mentioned, if you have any questions, uh, please do not hesitate to ask um, all of this is, an, is anonymous, and I, didn't, I know I didn't go verse by verse, so there might be questions, and some of these questions can be truly edifying. But before we, um, you know, pray for any topic, I really want us to just really reflect upon the first point. And the first point is, if you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you truly understand what he has done for you 2,000 years ago, he bore our cross, he died our death, if you submit to that, if you believe that, then what Paul is saying is you are part of his body. You are God's flesh and blood. His spirit is with you. That is a tremendous blessing. Uh, I want us to just take the moment to wrap our minds around that blessing. Um, so yeah, in however way, if you want to pray, if you just want to reflect, I just want that truth to sink into our hearts. That not only did Jesus die for you, but if you believe that, he has given his very own spirit and body for you. I just want to give us an opportunity to respond to that before we pray for some other topics.